What's up, everybody? Uh, I've been looking very presidential. <laughs> look at the uh, look at the wrong camera. <laughs> That's what. If you want that second cam, you have to uh, go to the, uh, the IG live. I already got one for my my OnlyFans. Yeah, there it is. There it is. Uh, how you boys doing today? We'll start off with you, Big Boy. You look extra chipper today. How you doing, my man? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I was off today, man. So I'm just enjoying my day off. Maybe no, I am gonna enjoy a cold one today. What so. the banquet? Yeah, I had to fight my neighbor for this one because, like, it seems like my neighbor is having like a breakdown like every other day, and she came knocked on my door like ten minutes ago. I need a beer. I need a beer. I'm like, I got some monsters with alcohol in it. Can I give you my banquet? So, I should have hand over the Anheuser Busch. That's a good way to get rid of those. I don't want to be the responsible one if she dies. If I give her a monster, so I told her I couldn't give her it. This was like seventy-three. Nah. Blue, <laughs> you always go to the far extreme. Hi, man. How are you doing? Speaking of extreme, uh, I'm doing better. Than, I'm doing a lot better than uh, Friday. I'll tell you that. You know, a lot of people were concerned. I told everybody not to be worried that we cloned you just in case. Yeah. yeah. And so, <laughs> so you may be the clone. We, we don't know. Uh, I don't know. Conscious works in a mysterious way. And we'll be talking yeah. about AI and things of that nature later on this week. Cool. Awesome. Uh, but that, that's, that's my topic. There it is. There it is. I'm glad you're feeling better, my man. Um, today, you know, we can get into kind of some of the, the news that has occurred here early. Uh, is that the uh, prosecution has come forward basically stating that if Koberger is found guilty, mm -hmm. they will be seeking the DP. Whoa. And it's not what you're thinking, Big Blue. <laughs> a, uh, penalty by taking of one's life. Like he has an OnlyFans? <laughs> <laughs> he might if he ends up being found innocent after all this. I mean, this, this dude is going to be very wealthy. He may not need it. Uh, if he ends up being found innocent of this, or if charges end up getting dismissed, I think there's going to be a pretty pretty fat lawsuit on its way. But I'm not entirely sure it's going to get dismissed. I'm not entirely sure he's going to be found innocent. Uh, but first and foremost, what are your thoughts on the fact that the prosecution is going to seek, you know, the DP if found guilty? We'll start off with you, Big Blue. What are your thoughts on that? You know, I think he took four lives, and if it is him, it's... it's uh... Something that I believe in, you know, an eye for an eye. And uh, the thing is, though, over there, what is the new way they want to do it is by uh, shooting squad. So that that's a different one that I haven't seen in forever. Well, it's been a while. Um, but it's one of those things where um, the way they have done it, or the way I, I believe that they do, is they, they put them up there and they have a few sharpshooters or whatnot. Uh, I think there's like four or five, but out of those four or five, there's three to four that actually have a live round and one that doesn't. And so that they necessarily don't know which one is the one that took the, did the thing. Uh, Jaime, what are your thoughts on the prosecution requesting or, or uh, informing them that they, they were going to be going down this route of found guilty? I, I think it's, uh, if any, uh, you know, the magnitude of this crime, um, but there's whoever did it, whatever perpetrator did it, deserves the the death. You know what I mean? I'm yeah. not, I don't say DP. That sounds weird. <laughs> <laughs> it does sound weird, but if not, we'll get into a blank and kick off. You can say. You can say
sentence. The sentence. The D sentence. That sounds worse. Yeah, it does. But here's what I think. I think that kind of bolsters a little bit of confidence. That the well, it kind of shows me that the prosecution might be a little bit more confident than we think right now. You know, if if this is going to end up being a situation where there's going to be a possible firing squad, right? You, you would the the jurors are are going to have to have that in their mind, right? That if you know they put this man away, that that's what's going to happen. So I think that usually adds a little bit more pressure on the juror to find, you know, that this person is guilty beyond all reasonable doubt. Yeah, definitely. So do you think that by doing this, that that's showing some sort of confidence in their prosecution? We'll start off with you. Do you think that they're, they should be confident? Well, I mean, like we said before, either you're prosecuting on defense, you're not gonna show all your cards, especially like even if it's, it's like, you know, poker face kind of thing, you know what I mean? Right. Even if it's a bluff, right? Right. So I think by them looking um, for the for that kind of sentence, it, it puts, a, like you said, puts a lot of pressure, not only on the jurors, but even on the on the other side of the, <clears throat> the defense, you know what I mean? Right, right, right. And so, where, where do you guys feel after so we saw the bombshells that were dropped right and everybody's talking about no dna in the car no evidence of you know cleaning of the car things of that nature uh, do you guys feel that this is a situation where um this man could be innocent we'll start off with you big blue i know you were probably the most confident in this case prior to this document being dropped have your as your opinion swayed at all no I, I think it's still him i think the dna matches him um now the, when they say there's there's no dna at his house or the office or the car he, he's a pretty smart dude he took classes on how to uh, look for that kind of evidence so i'm pretty sure he, he he took measures to be able to cover his tracks mm-hmm. you know i'm pretty sure you know he, he wore the, the jumpsuit He's wearing a mask, so if he coughed or sneezed, it would land in the mask. I mean, the only thing that they didn't say he was wearing was like a like a, a, a beanie in case he sweat or something, you know, like a full mask. But I think he covered his tracks. And because it, you know, I would, all I would say is he had access to gloves, he had access to booties, he had access to to mask and a jumpsuit that pretty mm-hmm. much covers everything except for the knife unless he rolled everything up with the knife so. right well what about you Jaime where, where, where do you stand you were pretty uh, you know you were closer towards me like thinking that he did do it the possibility of his innocence was still there but maybe, maybe your confidence in this case wasn't as strong as Big Blue's confidence where do you stand now um, I'm at 60-40 that he's still, you know, the person. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, you know, all these things are coming up, you know, some of the, the, the mistakes that, uh, you know, the, 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 in the on the scene from the first, first responders also right. kind of throws it off. Um, the way they got their arrest warrant or and all that stuff it kind of gives you it's kind of sketchy as, as to say the least you know what i mean 
Right. So, you know, I'm afraid that that's that, that's what the they're going to, you know, try to project out there and say that the incompetence of some of the law enforcement officers out there or the agency itself. Right. Right. That way they can raise, uh, you know, reasonable doubt. Right. And and that's what they're trying to do in this entire situation is raise reasonable doubt at this point. There's a gag order. And I felt that the defense putting out these bombshells or, you know, wording these documents in the manner that they did was in a way to kind of create this conversation, create the conversation. Is there a reasonable doubt here? Uh, Afton comes in asking, has it been confirmed outside of these uh, outside of the defense motions that there was no blood evidence or evidence of cleaning solutions in the car? And the answer to that is no. The only thing that we have gotten was the fact that um, the defense stated that there is a total lack of DNA and that there's no explanation for it from the prosecution. So uh, maybe perhaps there is an explanation for it and the prosecution just hasn't handed that over as to why they think that this car came out clean. You know what I'm saying? Maybe they're holding that to the, to the best. Maybe they, maybe that piece of information is in that 51 terabytes of information, but it should be disclosed to him if they found those things, because he should be disclosed all evidence against them so that he could have a right to defend himself. Right now, Right now, there's a lot of people that are talking about, um, you know, they're talking about his um, uh, the genealogical tree. Right. And they're talking about how the defense isn't wanting to or the prosecution isn't wanting to share how they got Koberger's name. Well, I don't think. And it sounds harsh, but it really doesn't matter how they got his name at that point because they're not using it. So if you were the defense. Right. And there was a piece of evidence uh, that was going to be utilized against your client. What would be the optimum goal for you as a defense attorney when it came to that evidence? To have it thrown out. Right. Or discredited. it. Right. Right. Exactly. Or, you know, so that it couldn't be used. Yeah. Now, if the prosecution isn't going to use that information then I don't understand how um, they're already throwing it out. It's already thrown out. Like, for instance, so the way they connected Koberger to this case was they found DNA on the sheath. The Idaho State Lab located that profile and created a profile based on that DNA, right? Now, then they sent that information uh, or that DNA or that sheath to the lab in Texas, and then from there, it went to Quantico or to the FBI quarters, headquarters, and they did their testing to do their genealogical tree. So let's just say there was a mishandling of the evidence between uh, from the, you know, when it was going to Houston or, or the Woodlands, I'm sorry, or if there was a contamination somewhere between the time that it was picked up in, in the Woodlands and then take taken to, to FBI headquarters. All you're doing is getting that part of the information thrown out. It doesn't throw out the fact that there was an initial profile created by the Idaho State Lab and that 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 profile connected to Koberger on his uh, on that sheath. Now, I've looked through all this paperwork and I haven't seen anything that the defense is arguing the validity or the accuracy 
of the DNA. So that leads me to believe that they are, you know, not arguing or not fighting the fact that that is Brian Koberger's DNA on that sheath. I think yeah. what they're arguing is how it got there. Does that make sense? No, yeah, definitely. Um, I think they're going to probably use, um, you know, the, the fact that a lot of people were there nights before. You know, right. That maybe he was part of that group somehow, some way, even though he's a lot older than everybody there. But the thing with that aspect of it is, according to, let me pull this up, according to the defense, there's no connection between Koberger and the victims. So um, there is no connection between Mr. Koberger and the victims. That would mean that he would never have been in that house. He wasn't one of the 150 people that were there the night before, because had he ever been in that house, then he would be connected to those victims by being in that house. But I mean, you don't have to know him. Maybe he was just invited or something. You know what I mean? Not personally, right. no. I mean, if it's, it's, I'm guessing I'm there with the college or anything, but <laughs> I'm guessing <laughs> if, if there's a party, you're going to, you know, you go from party to party, right? I right. Mean, but I, I think that by Mr. Koberger saying that he's there's no connection between him and the victims is indicating that he's never been to their house. He's never followed them on social media. Mm-hmm. Uh, absolutely no connection. And I don't think you can take that back, which leads me to believe and ask the question is, if you have no connection to the victims, then why is your DNA underneath one? Yeah, that's going that's to be a big hurdle. Huge hurdle. And I know that a lot of people are looking at the uh, DNA aspect of this and the vehicle, and we'll get to that part. We'll definitely get to that part. Big Blue. Do you see this in the same manner that him having no connection to the victims would indicate that he shouldn't have any DNA in that house? Yeah, that means that he, he, well, like, like I said, there's no connection to them. Like, I would say maybe they're saying no, like, they hasn't contacted them or didn't uh, shop where they worked. But um, yeah, I would say also that he was never there at the house. He has no connections there. He wasn't supposed to drove, uh, I say, a party person, but I heard he does. He did party a little bit, so I don't know. Right. I'm still on, on the fence, like, because there's a thing that I read and I was trying to read and uh, bring up, but it's, it's a little bit up there. Somebody said, "The angel, you asked uh, that they cleared if they cleared 148 pe- people and only uh, two that weren't able to identify. When there's a house party night, everybody goes into the house." I right. Uh, most house parties, everybody's outside. Only a few go in, or you go in, maybe use the restroom and out. But most of the time, the house parties I went to, you know, everybody's barbecuing, drinking outside, and you had to go to the restroom. You went to to the restroom. They had one designated party downstairs to go. All the parties Blue goes to ends up with him twerking on top of a truck, and so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. a, a true story. Hey, uh, um, I seen it. I, I was one time I went to a, a graduation party and uh, uh-huh. let's just say I was calling dinosaurs louder than the DJ. So the, <laughs> DJ, the, the DJ, somebody stopped and said, somebody's got to go check on that guy out there. I it believe it, Blue. I believe it, Blue. I believe it. <laughs> so here, here's the other aspect of this. And we'll get into it right now is the fact that this thing says that there is no explanation for the total lack of DNA evidence from the victims in Mr. Koberger's apartment, office, home or vehicle. Now, this this art, this document is written by the defense. So 
you know, the defense isn't going to put something in here that shines negativity towards the light in light of their client, right? They're going to try to bolster him up, make him look in the best light as possible. And, you know, I'm, I'm not going to see anything. And I'm also thinking that this is also from their perspective. Um, so for instance, no explanation for the total lack of DNA evidence. Uh, again, maybe perhaps it's in there. It's just not been found. Who knows? But has there been another situation where there's been a case where somebody committed a gruesome crime and didn't get DNA or blood evidence in their car? And the answer to that is yes. And we'll answer, we'll talk about that in a second. We're going to talk about this real quick. Kate Libby with a $10 super chat says the documents were written by the defense. It's not fact. It's their opinion, isn't it? Where's the proof of the no connection? Where's the proof they had zero DNA? We need to wait, in my opinion. I will say this, that it is in the perspective of the defense. They can't flat out come out there and lie or or give opinion, but they can kind of persuade things in their way by by saying things like to our knowledge, you know, from our point of view and, and things of that nature. And, yeah. and it doesn't always have to be necessarily expressed in that manner, uh, but it is implied that this is from the defense's point of view. Um, you would assume that uh, they couldn't be lying. For instance, if there was some sort of connection that uh, that the uh, prosecution was aware of, like for instance, let's just say that there is a connection, but the uh, defense isn't aware of it. So they can go on in here and say, you know, there is no connection between Koberger and the victims, because according to Koberger's lawyer, you know, to her knowledge, there isn't. Now, unless the prosecution comes out with some sort of evidence linking that, she can go about that saying that that's the case, uh, even though that may or may not be true. So take that as you as it will. Thank you again for your $10 super chat. Thank you. Now, when it comes to another case that was kind of similar, it would be the uh, Christopher Porco Trace case. Trace. It's the case of Christopher Porco. Christopher Porco. And basically in that situation, this dude was a fraternity student up in New York. He lived over 200 miles away from his parents' house. He went to his parents. He attempted to take both of their lives with an ax. He ended up assaulting his father 16 times with a, with a, uh, with an ax and his mother four times with an ax. Right. And so, um, he ended up getting back in his Jeep and taking off and driving back three hours back. And in that time that he, uh, when he came back, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Blue, you're distracting me. <laughs> I don't know why you're moving back and forth. <laughs> but <laughs> he ended up going out, right? And they checked his vehicle. There was no blood in the vehicle. There was no DNA in the vehicle. And there was no evidence of him being in his parents' house. Now, they were able to convict him because they had video surveillance of him leaving his you know, uh, university, they have, they actually, they also have, um, what do you call it? Uh, evidence of his DNA on a toll receipt. So we have a one ninety nine super chat from Jordan says this guy also had six weeks to clean everything. And that is true. In the Christopher Porco case, they were speaking to him the very next day. They were, you know, he was, he was the uh, son of the victims. And so he was on their radar pretty quick. And yeah. they suspect that he didn't get DNA or blood in his car because he worked at a veterinarian office and had access to um, clothing that was designed to keep those things off of uh, off of your person during surgery. And yeah. so is it possible that Brian Koberger had access to a similar type of clothing? 
Yes. One thing that has been a big surprise to everybody is that there's one latent shoe print and that there's no blood trail outside. Yeah. You know, that was surprising everybody that there was no blood trail outside. Is it possible that he wore some sort of cover ups and took them off prior to leaving the bedroom of the last you know, incident? Yeah. That's why there isn't a blood trail heading out and there isn't anything outside of the house. Could be very possible. And so what do they still have against Koberger, though? Because one of the other things that, you know, the whole no connection is alluding that there isn't stalking. There isn't uh, that the prosecution didn't find evidence of Koberger following them on social media, you know, looking up the, uh, the address or or getting pictures from them. Do you what, what do y'all think about him planning this event? How does how do you how do y'all feel about him not having that connection? We'll start off with you, Hannah. Well, I mean, if they can't find any connection, then I don't know why in the beginning they said it was targeted event. You know what I mean? Unless they, they felt like they had that he was following them on any social media or try to, you know, even um, try to reach out, you know, romantically, you know what I mean? Right. So I don't know right. how that how they became to the very early on said that was targeted targeted event. True, true. And now that now that there's apparently there's no connection, it just it throws that out the window. You know? Well, here's the thing. If Koberger committed this crime, right? One of the things in the probable cause affidavit that it spoke about was his his knowledge of uh you know cloud based forensics and that he wanted to he wrote an essay and he had an interest in assisting rural law enforcement agencies with better how to collect and analyze technological data so he was well aware and well versed in the technical forensics of a crime and would understand how he would be investigated and what the procedures may be when attempting to locate him as a suspect so had Koberger committed this crime now this is a big if right Ooh. Don't you think that with his knowledge that all those devices that he would have maybe made plans, done all these things, uh, would have gone with him? Now, there was a... So he's seen leaving Walenta Drive, or allegedly seen leaving Walenta Drive at a high rate of speed at 4.20 a.m. His phone doesn't turn on for another 28 minutes, but he's only 10 minutes away. So there's an 18-minute time frame in which where we don't know what he was doing or where he was at. Yeah. Is it possible that he had um, already maybe, you know, gone out somewhere, dug a, a deep hole, destroyed a bunch of those, maybe he had a burner phone or a second laptop that he was using just to, you know, plan this crime. And he destroyed those those documents. And in this hole is some documents or not documents, but uh, some electronic devices Maybe perhaps the weapon and the clothing that he used that night. Yeah. Now, I would have thought that he would have gotten rid of those things, too. Yeah, yeah. no, no, for sure. But, I mean, I don't know if it will take him 18 minutes to dig a hole, but he probably, if if he's the perpetrator, right, um, I would guess he would have dug that hole before. Right, that's I mean? what I'm thinking, is he'd gone out there prior to and dug the hole. But, I mean, like, because I don't know if it will take that, would it be that fast? I mean, well, I mean, then again, we live in Texas. It's just hard to dig a hole here with, with all the rock and stuff. So I don't know. <laughs> it's like an hour just for like a foot of, of, of 
just dig a, hole, a one size one foot hole and shit. Oh yeah, right, right. I'll, ta- I'll tell you, I'll tell you the craziest thing that happened to me when it comes to how hard the damn rocks are here in, te- in Texas. So I used to be an electrician, right? And what? we 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 used to have to drive in the six foot ground rods into the ground with a sledgehammer. So I started off, and we're out in Stone Oak, and it's all rock out there. And my brother was like, hey, this is the last thing you need to do. I can normally knock them out like in four minutes, right? Three minutes. I was there for like 25 minutes and had like half of it down. And he's like, what's taking you forever? I was like, I don't know, man. It must have hit a rock because I can't. I mean, I'm swinging as hard as I can. I'm hitting it. And it's not doing anything. The sledgehammer is just bouncing off of it, right? So my brother comes and he tries it for another 10 minutes. Like, oh, yeah, it's really hard. Let's try it. We got to get it in because we got to pass the permit though. The permit tomorrow so then we keep going and then i feel something like after i hit it something hit me in the foot it bent in half and the point came back towards me so it literally mm. turned it bent into a u so um, i had to start all over again i had to move the damn rod and get a new one <laughs> I, start I, just, I, I just cut down with the sawzall and buried it and just had to get a new one because man i like I had to move like three more feet down because it sucked. That's crazy, dude. I mean, at the end of the day, though, perhaps you know, maybe that's one day we'll hear on the news somebody uh, tripped over something that was partially <laughs> buried or something. <laughs> a lot more dies out. Big old. <laughs> so and 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 I know I saw somebody say that that's speculation. Obviously, it is. We we don't know anything outside of what this information is. So everything that we're speaking about is, is obviously a speculation, but, you know, let's, let's kind of put this in perspective um, real quick. Uh, if, so they got Brian Koberger's name because of the DNA, right? Mm-hmm. So if you got his name and you're like, all right, let's, let's find out if this DNA um, is something that, is a part of this crime or if it was accidentally put there, right? Because there's that possibility that it was accidentally put there. So you have his name. So the first thing you would want to look up and see is, all right, well, does this guy drive a white sedan four-door that kind of matches the description of the vehicle that's been seen around? You look up, he drives a 2015 Hyundai Elantra. Now, I know a lot of people are saying, oh, they came out with a 2011 or 13 Elantra, which is why I often said, I don't think that they were lying about that because that was going to bring up issues later on that they were saying it was a 2011 or 13 and not extending it to a 16. Yeah. Right. And here we are issues with it now. You know, a lot of people were saying, no, no, no. They're trying to not tip off, you know, the person. No, I don't think that was the case. They're in this situation now because they never updated that. And it appears that that situation, you know, they didn't figure that out until after they got Brian Kovarby's name. Iron Range Rube comes in with a ten dollars super chat. Daniel, give your past experience. How reliable is touch DNA in trial? I'm sure that everyone walking on this earth leaves uh, leaves behind their own profile, no matter where they go. I'm not a. I never was like a detective or any of those things, and never did forensic science. I really don't know much about DNA or or any of those type of things. Um, I understand how unreliable or how reliable it is. I think that when it comes to touch DNA, it's usually used more to exclude people versus um, 
to prosecute. Convict, right. Because it's so un, unreliable. But when you're building a case, in my opinion, and I was never a lawyer either, but I think you would want to cooperate everything. So if you had his DNA on a sheet, then you would say to yourself, all right, if this is the guy, then we'll see if he drives a vehicle that matches the vehicle that was seen in the area. Mm-hmm. Check mark. All right. If he was the guy, he was he's either his phone is going to connect to the phone tower that was um, for the area or his phone is going to be off during the commission of the crime. Check mark. Right. And so you have these things that um, kind of lead you into the direction of Coburger. Now, when it comes to the phone pings, and I've seen this a few times, uh, they didn't. Triangulation is something from the past, apparently. That's no longer something that has been utilized in today's law enforcement. They do something with this CAST, ILC, or ICLS, or whatever the case may be. And this gives law enforcement a more precise location on Koberger. So they have pings of him in the area 12 times. And the way this this does differently is in traditional E91 location um, triangulation, uh, what they did was um, to get a location of where a person was, they utilized multiple cell towers. And based on the strength of your connection to those cell towers would give an approximation of location. What the new thing is and what they're able to do is they're actually able to send out a signal to your cell phone and they're able to measure the time it takes for that signal to get to your phone and come back, thus giving them a significantly more accurate accurate and precise location. So in the probable cause affidavit where it says that he connected to a tower in Moscow but wasn't there, my belief is, and this is my belief, is that they were utilizing this technology. So he connected to the tower there, but how did they know he wasn't there and he was so far away? Was because of the time it took for that phone to connect to the tower and go back. Big Blue, you know what to do. Thank you for the $5 super chat, Leticia Guerra. And then also one thing I wanted to bring up was somebody asked if if it was uh, hot sauce. No, they sell these things here in Texas. I'm not sure they sell them all over the States, but they're beer salts. This one's a mechalada. We should get these guys to sponsors, man. These things are good on beer. Just pour it in like, like adding some seasoning to your to your meat. That was fun, but, <laughs> but you put it in the rim of your beer. And Demonetized. It gives it a really yeah. good flavor. They have <laughs> pickle really flavor. flavor. This one's mechalada. They have sal and limon. And then they got spicy ones. Oh, spicy. Spicy, spicy. Well, that's cool, man. That's cool. I don't know why Hang is all to the side there by himself. But <laughs> nobody knows. Uh, so this is more accurate. Uh, so with all that being said, how do you guys feel about this case so far? We'll start off with you, Hyman. Knowing all this, the, the pings are probably accurate, yeah. right? Um, the DNA is probably his on the sheath. Sure um, seems like it. I mean, just like go ahead. when we, you know, because I don't know a lot about the phone pings or how they, you know, obviously we, we we don't know. Well, for me, at least, I thought it was like triangulation, which is they don't use that anymore, right? Or well, they used to, right. but not anymore. Right. Now that they have this, and, and they can, 
you know, give a better accurate account of his um, location, it makes a lot more sense, you know? Right, 100%. And when it comes down to the sheath, it, it's just, it blows my mind that that's the only DNA that they have on that button. You know what mm. I mean? And nowhere in the house, um, nowhere, or apparently not in his uh, vehicle, neither or home. You know right. what I mean? And to, to the whole the whole trial is going to be pretty much on, on this DNA. Well, what I think is going to be on this DNA um, um, on, the, on, the, on the sheath. Right. <laughs> and, and, and at least, at least I ain't like the like at the bar. They'll they'll put it all on this. So you'll you'll be seeing me do this on night if I do it like oh, the bar. Oh nobody wants to see that. This is a, this is it's not child friendly, but speak for yourself. But when I'm at the bar, I get some weird looks when I'm doing that. And I'm like, why is that guy staring at me? Like, why is why why are guys um buying me drinks? You don't you don't want to see Blue drinking a long neck. So we'll leave it at that. <laughs> Let's just say he doesn't. He doesn't. He he doesn't make it a long nick no more. No, no, no. He doesn't. No, he doesn't. Uh, we have a comment. Tracy says he studied criminology. As far as I'm aware, they don't they don't learn you how to get away with murder, y'all. And, and and that's actually that's that's absolutely true. They don't. But they uh, they teach you a couple of things. Like one thing is how not to contaminate a scene. Right now, they're not teaching you how not to leave your DNA behind. You know, because you're going to commit the crime, but they're teaching you how to leave your DNA behind because you don't want to contaminate the scene. And so that's one aspect of it. You know, when you're doing the, uh, tech, you know, the uh, the uh, technological based forensics and stuff like that, he may understand, like, all right, it is common that if, um, you know, when there's a crime that's being committed, that police are going to get a warrant for the cell towers and get a warrant for the phone numbers that are attached to that cell tower. And they're going to do this for a mile radius or five mile radius. Yeah. And that they usually do this for about an hour to two hour window before and after the crime. And so what does he do? He turns his phone off, you know, um, an hour before the crime, turns it back on 20 minutes after, but is outside of a 10 mile radius when he turns off his phone and when he turns it back on. Does that lead you to believe that maybe perhaps he's doing that because he's aware of those situations or or is he just the most unluckiest person in the world that his phone just so happened to the battery just so happened to die right before the crime was committed or he just so happened to go out of service and come back into service or realize that his phone was dead and charged it right after the crime was committed? And it just so happened that the person, the real person that committed this crime also drives a vehicle that looks similar to his and just so happened to have purchased the knife and knife sheath that Koberger was handling at the store earlier that day. I mean, does that all, does, does that all jive? What would what, be all? The, the, all se the second part's like the. Blue. That was the first thing we said. <laughs> That was my alarm to to wake up. Work, <laughs> what's it, but I'm off today. Oh, what's it called? Um, like the second part, Denny. You said it's like the the storyline of uh, my cousin Vinny. Remember that? Right, right. There's no, 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 two people that look that that they look like the people that went into that store and committed oh, the yeah, crime. Yeah, 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 yeah. 
almost a similar car and everything. Turned out it wasn't. Yeah, there. Um, that's true. But, <laughs> but like when it comes down to you know, he wasn't pretty much what what he learned um, through criminology classes or whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, he knows what law enforcement is gonna look or what FBI is gonna look for, and right. you know he did whatever he had to do to you know cover pretty much cover his tracks at that point. Right. And Amy D comes in with a two dollar super chest says the sheath would have been soaked in MM's blood. Possibly. And and there's nothing saying that it wasn't. Yeah. You know, but I think the fact that it was buttoned down, uh, I think they're alluding to the fact that it was protected basically because it was buttoned down from the blood, which is why I think that the defense is just saying, like, oh, what are the likelihood that the only DNA that's that's on here is buttoned down underneath the body where uh, it's probably drenched on the other side full full of blood. Does that make sense, right? Yeah. Now, here's one theory I have. If it's not him and if it was somebody else, that means there's a murderer out there that killed four people still walking among us. Right. Yep. Like that's that's the scary part, man. Like yeah. not only that, but like the and let's say if if you if it wasn't him, I mean he could still be within that that the area. You know what I mean? I mean, here's the thing: if it wasn't him, right? Mm-hmm. What would be your biggest piece of you know? If 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 you were in his situation and somebody accused you of something that you didn't do, what's the first piece of evidence you would tell people, or first thing you would tell people? Is what you were doing. I, I wasn't me. I was cruising around and I was driving through the mountains of such and such and I didn't have service. Yeah. You know, where were you that night? So there's 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 documentation that 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 alludes to that there was some sort of conversation between Brian Koberger and law enforcement. Mm-hmm. Some, you know, whether it was FBI in person or Sergeant Payne over the phone. But there was conversations that were done between Koberger and law enforcement. Asking his whereabouts during the commission of the crime is probably one of the first questions that you would be asking. Yeah. So he didn't get very far in his questioning before he lawyered up. See, my thing is, I think he said that he was guilty in the beginning. I, I Like in my words, because he said, in my thoughts, because he said, but the thing that gets me is like, was anybody else arrested? Like, was anybody else charged? Instead of saying it wasn't me, you got the wrong guy. Who else did you arrest? I mean, of course, he's probably like everybody says he's probably thinking about his family, uh-huh. or maybe he had a getaway driver. Maybe he did have a driver outside waiting for him. Right. Who knows? <clears throat> and he and he had to go drop him off. Now he went that way. He went. No, it's possible. It's possible. But those are all theories and and are. Uh, Opinions, it's not, it's not, our, not facts. You know, one other thing I kind of wanted to talk about tonight with you guys and just kind of bounce off ideas was because um, everybody seems to, you know, we've gotten emails, we've gotten comments, questions like, hey, maybe we should look at this all over again. Let's start from the beginning with everything that we know. You know, let's start with the the, the first biggest question mark that was out there. And I think that had to do with, you know, the eight hours, right, that it took for the 911 call and the 911 call itself, something that hasn't been released. Right. 
why do we think that why do you guys think that the 911 call hasn't been released we'll start off with you both um that that's one question that i've had myself so i'm one i'm wondering if there's multiple people's voices here that they're trying to protect i don't know or maybe they say something they're not supposed to say and they can't play it but i don't know like even other videos that they show the 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 the, the 911 call but they blur out the bad words or they blur out you know uh, honestly i don't know why they're holding it back so what about you Hyman? what do you think Oh man, um, I think they're holding it back because there's some type of evidence that was said um, that could possibly lead to uh, one of those, what's it called? Like, uh, what's it? I can't remember what the name of it is. But, like, it's like the biggest part of, like, the biggest evidence that you can put <clears throat> and they can, you know, have the jurors. Say other like the gotcha evidence, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, right, right, right. Uh, maybe so that's you... what it is, or maybe, um, they maybe even, um, like, like Blue said, maybe there's this background noise that or talking in the background that they could use against, I guess, Colbert in the, in the trial. See, I think I've been thinking about it a lot lately, and I think it's more to do with protecting somebody. Yeah, I think it has more to do with protection or protecting somebody. And, and and why do I say that? Let's let's try to let's try to put this all together, right? <clears throat> it's been alleged and assumed that Ethan's best friend is the person that discovered the bodies and called 911. When you look at the probable cause affidavit, uh, they describe where Maddie and Zena's bodies were. They describe where I mean, Maddie and Kaylee and Zena's bodies were. They say that Ethan's body was in the bedroom, but doesn't describe where in the bedroom it was at. You know, we know that Zana was in the, you know, could be seen from the hallway just as the door was opened or whatnot. We know that Kaylee and Maddie were together on the bedroom, but we don't know where Ethan was. Right. Mm-hmm. And my thing was like, <clears throat> is it possible that? And I want to be careful in how I say this, and I want to make sure that I let everybody know that this is just like our speculation, right? There's no 100% truth or any of those things. But why would they exclude where Ethan's body was at? Why wouldn't they tell us? Why is that such a big secret? Um, I think, well, I, I, we mentioned it. Well, I mentioned it to you well, I think the day before yesterday, but I actually thought about about it also like a couple of weeks ago, but I forgot to mention it to you guys because yeah. I forget a bunch of stuff. <laughs> uh, but yeah, man, you can go ahead. Go go ahead. Nah, you 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 do it. You do it better. You do it better. All right. So, my thoughts were: <clears throat> remember we spoke about that. We theorized that that door was either locked, yeah, or obstructed, mm-hmm. right? Now, there's whimpering and there's a voice that's heard saying, I'm going to help you or I'm going to go get help. What if that's not Koberger that says that? Yeah. What if what if that was a, a severely badly injured Ethan? Yep. That's what I was thinking right. too. Now, what if the reason why they don't want to disclose these things is because 
maybe perhaps if Dylan calls 911, you know, maybe somebody does survive. Yeah. Those eight hours, man. Those is, what, 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 um, how because, could she, you know, how could she explain those eight hours of not calling? You know what I mean? Right, right. But what I'm saying is like, if that door was obstructed, let's just say there was a body on the opposite side of that door that didn't allow for people to open the door. Right. And this is my speculation. You know, my thinking is that maybe perhaps because remember, there was there was the uh, the rumor that went around. Christy told us that she heard this rumor. Dave told us he heard this rumor that there was a possibility of an OD in this house. Right. And is it possible or does it make more sense that if one of those bodies was blocking the door and they couldn't get in? And they knew that a body was blocking the door that they panicked, thinking it could have been a uh, uh, an overdose type of situation. And maybe that's why they called friends over out of panic, because they didn't know the severity of what they saw on the other side of that door. Yeah. And once their friend comes over, tries to open the door, is able to get into the door, see the extent of the of what had occurred. And then at that moment is when they call 911. I think that makes a lot of sense. And I think that if you're going to be looking at somebody like Dylan, who's going to be your witness, somebody that saw this person walking through the house, somebody who identified this person's height, weight and stuff like that, you're going to want to protect them and all that other stuff. And if you put on there that the you know, you put out the 911 tape and the person that comes out and says, you know, I got here, you know, I couldn't open the door. The door was locked or the door was blocked by somebody. Well, Coburger couldn't have put that body up against the against that door. Mm-hmm. That body would have had to have gone up against that door after Coburger left. Yeah, you get what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. And so, and so, if if police think to themselves like, "All right, well, we need to protect this person because they're going to be a witness," and if we put out this information, then it's going to make them potentially look bad. Does that make any sense? Yeah. Yes, sir. So, I mean, and, and it doesn't have to be like, for instance, and I say Coburger, but it, it could be the alleged person who ever committed this crime. Right now, as far as the upstairs bedroom door, I I, I don't know anything about that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. We don't know where anybody was at. Now, it was locked or unlocked. Right. Now, I've talked to several people. Um including other creators who are in contact with other students that are from the area that are somewhat connected. And obviously that we've talked to, um, um, you know, one of the victim's family members and there's a total of four different, maybe five different uh, sources or, or people that are somewhat close to this case that we've talked about our theory there that have stated that it seems possible or accurate Right. Nobody's nobody's guaranteed it 100 percent just because nobody knows 100 percent. It's not coming from like we haven't spoken to Ethan's best friend, needless to say. So everything that we have spoken to or said is is not direct, if that makes sense. But that is the only reason, in my opinion, why they wouldn't disclose where his body was, because, you know, if they put on there that his body was, you know, right there at that door blocking it. And then you can allude that there's going to be a possibility of somebody surviving that. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. And then there's no way that, um, you know, that he went out the window because the DM apparently saw someone go through the kitchen, right? 
Well, apparently, uh, Dylan Morrison saw somebody walking towards the kitchen sliding door as they were leaving, so they assumed that that was the entry and exit point. Yeah. Yeah. And the one thing I want to say on this is I think we'll, we'll get an idea of that later on after, I think, the court case and they let all the information out. Plus, I know that they've already said that there is a movie that they're going to make, and that's why um, Ethan's mom wrote the book because she, she wanted to, you know, like, if somebody's going to talk about her son's life, she wanted to talk about it, not right. some stranger. Right. Uh, I mean, well, maybe we'll, they'll give that person the rights, they got the rights to the movie. Um, more info. I want to see maybe it come out before the court. I don't know. And yes, right. that is good old the Coors Banquet, Banquet, man. I like them. They're not bad. They get you tipsy. They're doing the job. They, they do the job, or or let's see, let's see. Calypso can do the job, or let's see. Hennessy uh, can do the job, or maybe. Blue just has all this stuff like right behind his computer, obviously. Woodford. That might be a fire hazard. I don't know. <laughs> Especially in this heat, my man. It, it keeps them nice and warm, you know. And you just drink the meat. Right, right. Oh, I haven't even been able to use my bullets yet. Oh, man, I forgot about them today. The it happens, my man. Uh, Rosanna says, uh, why would the suspect target two rooms with two people in each room and uh, up against himself, but leave two individuals in each of their separate rooms a lot? Well, we know that Maddie was, uh, or Kaylee was sleeping in, in Maddie's room, apparently, right? Or at least their bodies were discovered together. We can assume that they were together. So he would not have known that that was the case until he had opened the door, right? And and who's to say that the uh, second attack was more out of um, perhaps necessity? Maybe he encountered them coming down the stairs, saw them walking. Who says? Who says? You know what I mean? Or overheard them um, talking and felt that he needed to go and do something about that. Uh, I don't know. We weren't there, but um, you know, I, I struggle with why he left. I mean, especially. Not so much why he left, you know, Dylan unharmed or any of those things, but, you know, in order to commit the crime in the manner that he did, he would have had to have passed Dylan's room once to go upstairs, passed it twice to go to, um, you know, Zana and Ethan's room, and then passed it a third time to leave. Yeah. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. Just that's it's suspicious a little bit, but. And not I mean, even one footprint. And not leave but one footprint. And, and it's not even guaranteed that it's his footprint yeah exactly. or it's even guaranteed that that blood that they the footprint was in was co connected to this case yeah and so it, it, it's a uh it's a tricky situation it definitely what's, is what, what's it going on has any any news come out or update on the on the demolishing of the of the house i haven't seen anything you know what i'm gonna look that up while we're on here right now and that's it that's a good good thing to try to I think the, the family's petitioned for them to wait until the court hearing, but I don't know. I yeah, I remember this. I remember hearing that and everything, but I haven't heard anything. I knew they were trying to stop it. I don't know if there was any update on that. Yeah, yeah I think the, the last thing I see here is back from like April 6th. News Nation says uh, that the family's got a second letter regarding the demolition of the house, uh, pending demolition of the house with the where the incident took place. 
Uh, many were okay with the plan, uh, asking that he be kept standing until the trial of Brian Kovacar is complete. There's, there was an official. Many of the family members were not okay with the plan and sent an official request to the university, asking them to keep it standing until the trial of Brian Kovacar is complete. Uh, the home is currently boarded up with a chain link fence surrounding it and security officers standing guard outside to make sure no one gets into the scene. Uh, let's see. Let's see. But I don't know. Do you guys think he did it himself? Like I said, I'm 60 40 and only because of the, you know, the pings now that they're more, we're saying they're saying they're more accurate and the, and the DNA is on the sheath, you know, right. but then there's no, like I said, there's no DNA on the car or his apartment or any of his, uh, apparently none of his clothes neither or whatever they took, you know. Right. It's kind of like, oh, the 60s looking more 50 now. I'm in the, I'm in the high 90s, like 95% for me. I don't well, say I'm, the DNA don't lie. I mean, I, like a lot of people say it, it's, it, it can have uh, misreadings, but I don't believe so. They've let a lot of innocent people out of jail that have pleaded innocent their whole life. That they mm -hmm. were in jail for certain crimes, and the DNA has got them off the crime because it was somebody else's DNA. And they actually arrested the other guy, and the other guy had more worse convictions. I, I can imagine how many of those crimes would have been stopped if they would have got the right guy early on with DNA. So. Right, right. But the, but you know, also DNA has put a lot of serial killers away too. So yeah, now. You know, the temperature of our viewers, though, has somewhat changed. So before on Friday, we put out a poll before the documents dropped. We had 70, like six, 78 percent people think that he did it. Today, we dropped in a poll and the poll is, did the defense doc drop create reasonable doubt in your mind? So we had 70 something percent people think he did it. And now it's down to 38 percent. I think he still did it. Ooh, that dropped in half. 41% yeah. said yes, that it completely changed their mind. Only 21% said yes, but already thought, um, I put already thought he was innocent. I meant guilty. I hope everybody understood what I thought, he, what I thought I meant there. But so only a small fraction of people um, stated that this document did not change their mind or create a reasonable doubt. Based on the information that we have, Big Blue, would you be able to put this guy, would you say that he's guilty beyond reasonable doubt in a firing squad type of situation? Two days. I would say yes. Uh, but with the DNA, with the tracking, with the social media stuff that I guess haven't been shown yet, but will be, I say yes. What about you, Jaime? What do you think? Would you be able to put him away with what? the... Uh, with what we know, yeah, with uh, the DP. No, not without no. I'll have some reasonable doubt. You know what I mean? I can't for sure say he's guilty at this point. I I, I, I side with Jaime on this one. I can't I can't say ah, I can't say it, dude. I can't. I wouldn't be able to put this guy, you know, based on the information. Uh, there would have to be something there. And yeah. And Hopefully there is. I'm, I'm pretty sure there's going to be a lot, uh, no, in discovery and everything that we're going to come out and 
and it's gonna be like, oh, okay, never mind, you know, we just kind of make a difference. But for right now, right. for what we know, especially with this gag order in place, you know, we're just right. getting little bits of pieces of of evidence, and you know, we don't know the whole the whole the whole story yet. And hopefully, we do find out in trial. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right, man. You're absolutely right. I want to say thank you to Cami Q. Um, it doesn't show up on here, but she gifted twice five memberships. Thank you so much. Oh, we wow. appreciate you. Yeah, if you guys oh. make sure you have your giftings turned on to get those. Yeah, I was looking to see why why everybody said thank you to her, and I went up and down the channel. I was like, where's she at? I don't see her. It, it won't gift. show up. It won't show up on the. Uh, on our our deal here, uh, Steelers fan says, "BK, if the glove don't fit, you must quit." <laughs> I mean, that's another situation, right? I mean, this is. I think that there was actually a lot more evidence against like OJ than there is against Coburger in this case. And and you know what? A lot of people looked at me looked at me and said I was crazy when I said that Richard Allen's probable cause to me felt like a stronger case than this one. And it seems yeah. to be the end of being the case in this situation. I think that there's a lot of doubt. Um, in my opinion, I think that the uh, Idaho State Police Department, the Washington State Police Department, or the FBI, whoever, they all need to come together and figure out where these items are discarded. Uh, because I think if they don't find, uh, you know, those tools that he used to plan this crime or commit this crime, whether it be the clothing, the knife itself, things like that, yeah. I think that this guy may end up walking on this case. Yeah, there has to be something more solid. Right. I mean, DNA is solid, but I don't know about this touch DNA, you know? Well, the problem is that touch DNA and transfer DNA is not really used to convict people. It's more yeah, exactly. used to, you know, get them off of cases. Mm -hmm. And it's because of how easily it can be transferred. Now, if I was Koberger's attorney and stuff, you know, I would just say, yeah, it's all coincidence. I just so happened to drive a car that looks like the vehicle that was there that night. Mm -hmm. And my phone just happened to lose service during that time. And I'm a uh, criminologist student that has um, visited the Idaho State Lab and or the Pullman Police Department. I have shook hands with several of the uh, police officers or whatever. I have been in contact with some of the officers there previously. And is it possible that when they collected this item that they had my touch DNA on their person and that's how it got on there. I think it's much more likely. In fact, on Friday, I asked you guys and I'll ask you guys again real quick. And this will be our last question of the night is what is more likely that not based on how gruesome that this scene was, that there be no victim DNA or blood in his car or that his DNA accidentally get transferred onto a piece of evidence based on his uh, accessibility to law enforcement buildings. We'll start off with you, big boy. I think um, there's more probability that there's nothing in the car. It's because I think he was suited when he went in. I think he, he had body gloves, a jumpsuit, body booties, a mask for sure, because it's in the affidavit. So, and then if we can take all that off before you get in the car and wrap the weapon in it, there won't be nothing to, you can't drop anything in the car or step any DNA on, on the pedals if you took it all off before you got in. True, but 
I mean, the crime and the way it was described is pretty intense. What about you, Jaime? What do you think is more likely to happen? I think it's more likely that he got, there would have been DNA in his car. Um, I mean, not his DNA, but like the victim's DNA. You know, even if he had um, a suit and whatnot, I'm sure, you know, just like the way you, you said that the scene was described, there was a lot of blood. And that could have, even with the suit, I'm sure it would have soaked through. So what what I'm trying to say is what are the what are the chances in your opinion that um, there would not have been blood in this car and Copeland committed this crime? It's very low, right? And what are the chances, you know, that DNA got yeah. transferred onto this uh, onto something by accident? Because Koberger had access to the location where that sheath went or had access to the people who handled that sheath. And for me, I think it's more common that somebody could get DNA, their personal, you know, transferred onto an item because they have a connection to the place where that item is either stored or people that handled that item versus a crime be committed to this nature and not have victim's blood DNA in the car. Yeah. Now, I, I do agree that, and, and I brought it up, I myself brought it up, the core, the the Porco case, Chris Porco. He was able to, you know, commit a crime just as violent, just as bloody, and just as gruesome, and not get his, you know, blood DNA from his father and mother in his Jeep. And he drove a significantly longer drive. 200 miles, right, you said? Yeah, I think it was like 230 or something like that. Yeah. So, uh, who knows? I mean, there's one thing I, I, I've said earlier, and, and I know this probably upsets people, but you know, everybody says that you know, touch DNA can be transferred by you know, touching this and rubbing that or sneezing over here. But you know what the most common way you get touch DNA on something? So. By touching it. So, <laughs> so you're going to come out with something different. <laughs> Bastard. I mean, it's the most common way to get touch DNA on an item is by touching it. I'll say this is going to be so informative. So, <laughs> so you know, we can come right. up with all these theories as to how this touch DNA got on. You're the not show, wrong, but the most common way is by touching it. So, uh, yeah, that like being it. said, go ahead. No, no, I was just saying, I was like, yo, you learned something. <laughs> new every day you learn something new every single day so with that being said guys you guys got any final words for everybody before we drop out we'll go with you blue first all right i just want to thank thank you everybody who's here tonight uh, and if you if you wondering why we we're laughing earlier it's because we found out we could do this it's swap spots on without having to hit any buttons but that's not the only reason we we're laughing, but <laughs> yeah, that is true. We did figure that out. Hi, do you have any final words for everybody? I just want to say were thanks. very informative. Yeah, I just want to say thanks uh, to everybody in the chat, mods, members, you guys. Uh, and uh, luckily, I'm feeling better. I still have a cough, but I'm feeling better. Well, I'm glad you're feeling better, my man. We'll see you guys on. Well, we might go live tomorrow. There's a trial tomorrow. There, there's a court in this case. So we might, me and Blue or myself alone, we'll see. Jaime might jump on. We might talk about what uh, what comes out. 
So stay tuned, hit that like and subscribe, ring that notification bell. If we don't come out tomorrow, we'll come out for sure on Wednesday, where Blue vows to do the truffle shuffle live. So nah, we, haven't, we haven't hit 50k yet. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I thought you said you were doing that in just suspenders at 50k. Suspenders oh, okay. alone. No, he said he was gonna do it in 4k. Oh, 